Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show. And I'm excited to welcome to the program, Nori Love. Nori, how are you? And I'm excited about our topic today. We're going to kind of talk about specifically hypnotherapy and a little bit of the law of attraction. I've been discussing it a lot, but hypnotherapy, kind of define hypnotherapy for us first. So the, the easy definition is that it's a state of relaxation. It's a state of relaxation where your brain waves go into the lower brain waves, where you're relaxed, where you can access your subconscious mind, where every answer, also every trauma, every belief that you've taken on, whether they serve you or not, lives inside there. Ah, okay. So I, I, I've heard of like hypnosis. What's the difference between hypnotherapy and hypnosis? Um, some people who don't have um, a more rigorous training sometimes call themselves hypnotists. But a hypnotherapist, I did a ton of work with the only accredited school, you know, in the United States. Um, so that's that's a little bit of the difference. We can. Um, I can't say we can go deeper, but we can kind of go deeper, you know, more into the dialogue of, of what you need rather than just put you under and tell you to stop smoking. Exactly. And the power of hypnosis or hypnotherapy is gigantic, isn't it? Massive. It is huge. It is just so powerful. You know, truly, every, every answer that you think think that you desire in life really, really is in there and you can access it. We just have to quiet, you know, all of the old belief systems that we've taken on because we take them on from zero to seven. So even though you look at your parents and go, oh, I never want to be like that, chances are you still have that belief inside of you. So you have the opportunity to go in and access anything that you really, really desire, including how to heal including how to let go of those things that you really want to stop doing but can't seem to do it and and actually you know not to be too woo woo but but there are other things like i've had people go to other galaxies and have you know spiritual activations during a hypnosis session wow. so it's it's huge yeah it's huge neil well let's jump drop back jump back how did you get involved in it how did you learn it well, you know, when I was younger, I was very interested in it and taught myself how to do self-hypnosis. Was so practiced. I don't think I could do it now because I'm not that personally practiced. I was so practiced that I was able to have a root canal with no anesthesia, oh. no Novocaine, no anesthesia. Crazy, crazy. I don't think I could do it now. You know, I would have to practice for, I think, a month or maybe two months to really, really get back in there. But that's how I got into it. And then as a nurse, you know, there were so many things that I would see happen in the hospital setting. And afterwards, like it would happen in the OR. And then afterwards, I would see the reaction of the patient and know that if they could just go back to the OR setting, what they were experiencing could be alleviated. You know, because if you're under anesthesia, I mean, some people can take you back to that operation and you can relive verbatim everything that you heard during that surgery. So if you hear something and you misconstrue it, like there was a classic example, a woman was having a very simple procedure, maybe, you know, removal of the gallbladder. And the doctor said, 
she'll never be the same after this, meaning that it was good, but in her mind, she thought it was bad, so she ended up with chronic pain, got sent around the medical system, got turfed over to a psychiatrist, oh, no. who eventually got her to a hypnotherapist, who took her back to the operation and cleared that, and she never had pain after that. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So that's the power of that. So kind of defining getting involved. You taught yourself to do it. This is not self-talk now, right? You can't do hypnotherapy and self-talk. You have to be completely under, don't you? You have to go into that deep state of relaxation where you your your conscious mind and you know the old part of our brain the primitive part of our brain doesn't want any change even though that change will probably benefit you but the 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 old part of our brain doesn't want any change so we have to be able to comfort that or subdue it so that we can go into the higher or lower however you look at it um um the depth in order to access the subconscious mind so how relaxed do you have to be? Well, into, into um, some people can still be relaxed enough to talk to me. I don't know how to quantify that or qualify it for you. You know, it's, it's, it's actually an experience where you kind of let go of the body that relaxed, you know, where you just allow everything to let go. I mean, the, the time that I volunteered for a session because my friend was certifying in hypnotherapy. You know, I woke up and I had my head hanging and I was actually, you know, drooling a little bit. So kind of that relaxed, but of course I don't allow, you know, my, my clients to drool. (laughs) I bring them back and we reposition the body and then we go back in. (laughs) How, so how, so relax would be laying down eyes closed. Yes. Mind off. How do you kind of identify when you're working with somebody that they're in that deep state to be able to do That's a great question. I can tell by certain movements that the body does and actually certain movements that the eyes do when they're closed. Mm. So if I, if I, when I'm assessing that person, if I see signs that they're, that they're coming lighter, that they're waking up, you know, I'll stop whatever journey we're on and help them to relax even more deeply. That's a great question though, yeah. But there's little telltale signals, you know, that the hypnotherapist can look and see that the person is starting to light, starting to lighten up. That's that's wild. I think it's so wild when you think about it because you're like, oh my, so you can figure it out. I, I don't know when, like when you're in meditation, you're in a relaxed state, yes. right? Would you agree? Yes. Yes. Your, your eyes are closed. You're meditating on specific things. Your, com- your, your mind is in not what's around you, but it, what's in the mind. That's Absolutely. kind of almost that relaxed state. So for example, in the spiritual life, if it's meditation, any types of form of meditation, yoga, anything where you really are clearing your mind from what's everything around you, except what's in your mind, I guess, clearing your mind, meaning yes. to think those thoughts. So what happens when you hear about hypnotists going ahead and able to program somebody to do something in the deep state and yet not remember it? How deep do you get? Can you get them down once they're into that and you begin hypnosis with somebody? To have them do to to do something and yeah, you, you've seen there was a movie out about that where that you could you could hypnotize somebody to do some act or something later on. 
and they would never remember it. Yeah, that's a little tiny bit unethical for me. Yes. You know, uh, yeah. I'm sure it's unethical, me. but have you heard of that with other hypnotists? Yes. I have. And, you know, some of it is, um, some of it is stage hypno hypnosis, stage hypnosis. So, you know, the person would really have to agree to do something like that because, you know, you're opening yourself up to, I mean, what, what are you going to, are you going to quack like a duck? Are you going to, you know, bark like a dog every time the phone rings? You know, I mean, to me, those things are not therapeutic, you know, thus hypnotherapy. So I don't really even entertain scenarios oh, that's like good. that. That's good. So what can you attain when you go through hypnotherapy sessions with you? Amazing. You can, of course, you know, all of the very typical things that you think of, stopping smoking, losing weight. You can actually, there's one, there's one that I love. It's called the gastric band hypnotherapy. So instead of going and having, you know, your stomach cut so you can lose weight and sew it up, you take the person through the experience of it, not necessarily the surgery, the results of it, and then they begin to live the life as if they had that surgery and the weight just begins to release off of them. So weight release, smoking, nail biting, fear of flying, fear of snakes, fear of spiders. You actually can go in, if you think somebody is um, having an affair, your, your significant other, you can go in and find out for truth whether they're having it or not. Because on a deep level, you know, you've intuited the signs. You know, by the time you get to the point of verbalizing, are you having an affair? You've seen the signs, you know, you felt the nuances of something has changed in the relationship. So you can go into hypnotherapy and get clarity on that and actually know and trust it. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. And th that power, so changing all these different things makes it so so dramatic how people's lives could change in specific areas. What about when you're talking about performance of academic performance or business performance using hypnotherapy? Wonderful. Academic, business, sports, incredible. You know, uh, fear of um, um, public speaking, all of that really, really good because a lot of what's in the way, so let's talk about business, a lot of what could be in the way of you succeeding and how many of us have climbed up the ladder a little bit, then fell down a bunch of rungs, climbed again, right. fell down. A lot of what's creating the fall are some bad habits, you know, some um, um, self-sabotage, some limitations, undeservingness. So absolutely, you can go in there, uplift them, and then come back out and soar, truly, truly soar. That's fantastic. That's just great news and a great thing for sure. Now let's talk about the law of attraction. Okay. I've talked to other people about the law of attraction on my show. Uh, this, um, uh, Dr. Shannon Panzo, I've had a few conversations about the law of attraction, learned about the law of attraction through the secret. How does that do you use that with your, your, in hypnotherapy, the law of attraction? Well, you know, it would serve to, um, 
It would serve to solidify the new behaviors. You know, a lot of people come out of hypnotherapy with their new behavior like, wow, I am not even interested in having a cigarette. But if you, if you know law of attraction and you can think in advance, what is the life that I really want to live, right? In your waking life, what is the life that I want to live? What does my future non-smoking self look like? So then by virtue of law of attraction, you're going to be attracting that to you, right? Even more solidifying the gains that you've received in hypnotherapy. And using the law of attraction, you're, are you basically manifesting those things that I'm going to stop smoking? I'm going to stop. Well, the goal smoke. would be that you would come out of the sessions, right? A non-smoker. But to, but to call in the lifestyle that, that you envision as a non-smoker, which is something we do during the session. You know, it makes it more vivid. It makes you attach to it emotionally. And then it, you actually draw it to you and thus it manifests. Excellent. All right. And so that's the thing. So what tips would you provide our audience today regarding the law of attraction? Like any ideas of the ways that they can use the law of attraction to change their lives or transform their lives in some ways. Yeah. The law of attraction is amazing. Um, you, the thing that I would really like to speak to is it's not, you know, the, I love the secret. I've watched it a million times. Yes. Love, love, love it. But they leave you that impression that if you just sit there rubbing the genie lamp, that everything's going to happen. It's just going <laughs> to write the red car is going to fall not, into your not, lap. It's not. No. No, it takes it takes um, it takes focused attention on that which you desire living in your mind, living the scenario of that which you desire as if you already have it, which is a wonderful diversion. If you're in pain, you know, emotional pain because you don't have what you want. Um, but the important part is taking inspired action, right? All of a sudden, you have this inspiration to go shopping. You're like, what? Right. I, I have, why am I going shopping today? I have no reason to go shopping. You happen to go shopping. You took inspired action. You meet somebody who knew somebody who connected you with that person. And bam, you come together and that business deal happens. That's wow. how inspired action works after you've been visualizing, you know, the, the thing that you desire, the lifestyle. You have to, you up. have to, so you can't just do the law of attraction. You have to be talented enough to get that right. It sounds like to me, you have to have the strategies and plan in place and we, then not let the, the mind controls us from attaining things if we can attain them. Correct. So meaning if um, you want your business to grow tenfold, if you don't have the talent for that business to grow tenfold, you can't use the law of attraction and it happens. The law of attraction helps you from keeping those things that might keep you from attaining goals that you have the ability to attain. Am I right? right? That's good. That's very good. And when I teach law of attraction, when people, you know, create, when they craft their intention, because that's where it begins, uh, we always add this or something better. The universe knows the desire of your heart. You know, if you're chasing uh, um, a dream that isn't in your wheelhouse. It's not attainable. Like if yeah. I said, I want to be, I want to be a YouTube influencer in the next year without having the talent, it's not happening. 
No, no, it's not. But if you say this or something better, then the universe is going to guide you to that which your heart really, really desires. Because it's not necessarily being the YouTube influencer that you desire. It's the essence of what that brings you. What does it bring you? Does it bring you notoriety? Does it bring you a lot of money? Does it bring you a certain lifestyle? Well, it's that that you really desire and the universe knows that. So they won't bring you, you know, dropping you into an influencer on YouTube, but they will bring you something else that meets the desire of your heart. Very interesting. Nori, where's, where can people connect with you and stuff? Where's the best place? Um, they connect can connect with me um, at Broadcast Team Alpha, of course, with Augie, or at the Center for Radiant Wellbeing at gmail.com. Um, that's a center where I house a lot of what I do. Um, or they can just contact me at norilovemail at gmail.com. Well, absolutely. Well, Nori, it's just amazing to hear that. And I think that's the missing point that they didn't talk about in secret is you can, you, that they said, you know, things are going wrong. It's because you're attracting those bad things. It's not, you got to look at specifically where, where you are on track and where do you want to attain and can you attain it? If you're telling something that's the universe, something that you guess what, there's no way you can attain it because you don't have the talent to do it. You're kidding yourself. That's why you need to be with people like yourself and say, okay, well, when they talk to you and you say, well, I'm not able to attain this story and I really want this. Okay. Well, we're going to, through hypnotherapy, get rid of some of those defects that or change things that are causing you from not getting there. But if you're not able to get there, you'll help them understand what the universe wants them to attain, where they need to go. Absolutely. And having having clarity that's why it's so great to work with a coach because having clarity you sort through like okay i want i want this i want to be a youtube influencer right (laughs) something that happened right let's go back to hypnotherapy between zero and seven that you got the message that you'll never take you'll never attain that so if you can remove that limiting belief now hypnotherapy is the express train to removing that but if you work with a coach and you work on the clarity and the coach asks you all the right questions that help you you know what is the essence what is it that you really really desire because when you have that conversation things are going to come up that are going to look like roadblocks to you and we use those roadblocks to take you even deeper into what it is that you really, really want. So by the time you craft your intention, it may look a whole lot different, but it's going to satisfy the desire of your heart. You know, that that essence of what you want. Like if it's a relationship, you think you want a relationship with this person person and that person he looks like this and he's got this kind of job but you've got to get underneath it what is that relationship going to make you feel right it's going to make me feel loved it's going to make me feel cared for it's going to allow me to express my love right so that's what you really want not the external trappings of the relationship so when you focus in on that you begin to craft your intention with such greater clarity i don't know if i you're yeah you're helping me completely i think that you've explained the law of attraction and more than anyone else has because when you tell people they're dreamers you really have to say how do i attain this goal 
if I'm not like, let's say today I'm 48 years old, I'm going to go and become an NBA superstar. Well, no, I'm 48 years old. It's not happening. The chances are one in a trillion. But if I say, hey, I'm going to become the best basketball player in the 50 and over league two years from now, that's a possible attainable goal. But if you're four foot 11 and can't jump, that won't be. So you really have to look at those things. So when things are keeping you from success or happiness, you have to look what things are blocking you from that success and happiness. So great, uh, great conversation, Nori. And uh, everyone needs to check you out, especially broadcast broadcast team alpha your podcast which is every tuesday night i think it's yes. live streamed at 8 p.m eastern is that correct absolutely that's correct yeah yes. and you can check that out and you guys have some amazing guests in those conversations that are awesome and you bring your 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 sense of understanding people and seeing who they are so i appreciate you stopping by absolutely. and i'm telling you you're the first person to give me that clarity I'm so of happy. really Thank seeing you. what the law of attraction is like, because the secret really doesn't show that it makes yeah. you feel after the secrets over that if you're not attaining success, it's because you don't will it instead. It might not be the success. Like everyone thinks if you can follow the secret, we'll all be millionaires. That's right. not the case. And you are giving that reality. Right. So you could, it could be love that you're really desiring. It's through yeah. a coach. They'll guide you. It could be not having certain responsibilities that you currently have, being able to have more happiness. Money might not be the happiness, but if money is the goal because the universe wants you to attain it, you won't. It's great. Great, great uh, point of view. Definitely put that out there. I appreciate it, Nori. Thanks for stopping by and thanks for coming on the Neil Haley Show. It was awesome. Thank you. Take care. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley Show and we'll be back in just a moment. Celebrity slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download. Free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Freedom from Addiction, Truth, Just Below the Surface, and the Neil Haley Show. And I'm excited to welcome the program, Reverend Wynn Henderson, MD. Wynn, how are you? I'm doing good, Neil. Excited about our topic. So what is our topic today? We're going to be talking today, and the title that I'm putting on the topic is, Has the CDC been cooking the books on COVID vaccines? And when I say vaccines, what I'm talking about is the mRNA shot, which is not a vaccine, but which has been called a vaccine so that the big pharma people that make it don't have to worry about being responsible uh, for it, uh, for its uh, problems uh, with side effects and or death uh, in a uh, legal sense. Now, as the infection has become endemic in most parts of the world and the vax, quote, vaccination drive is in full swing, 
U.S. health authorities are massaging the data and revising testing recommendations yet again, this time to hide the ineffectiveness of these mRNA shots. As reported by Off Guardian, May 18, 2021, the U.S. Center for Disease Control, the CDC, is altering its practices of data logging and testing for COVID-19 in order to make it seem that the experimental gene therapy shots are effective at preventing the alleged disease. The trick is in their reporting of what they call breakthrough infections. That is people who are fully vaccinated against SARS-CoV-2 infection, but get the infection anyway. Essentially, COVID-19 has long been shown to those willing to pay attention to be an entirely created pandemic narrative built on two key factors. The first factor is false positive screening tests. The unreliable PCR tests can be manipulated into reporting a high number of false positives by altering the cycle threshold value. And secondly, inflated case count. The incredibly broad definition of a COVID case used all over the world lists anyone who receives a positive test as a COVID-19 case, even if they've never experienced any symptoms. Uh, in my history as a medical doctor, we don't say that people have a disease if they don't have any symptoms of the disease. Originally, the CDC recommended lab tests use a CT of 40 when testing for SARS-CoV-2 infection. This, despite the using that CT above 35, which was known to create a false positive rate of 97%. That means that back in the earlier days with a um, CT of 40, only 3% of people who tested positive really were positive. In short, by using an exaggerated CT, healthy people were deemed ill with the disease and the fraud was further propped up by introducing the fallacy that asymptomatic carriers were responsible for a large portion of the spread. Now the CDC has suddenly lowered the CT considerably from 40 to 28 or lower in what appears to be a clear effort to hide COVID-19 breakthrough cases in those injected with this mRNA uh, gene therapy shot. The CDC has put new policies in place which effectively created a tiered system of diagnosis, meaning from now on, unvaccinated people will find it much easier to be diagnosed with COVID-19 than vaccinated people. To understand just how significant a change this is, consider the CD, uh, CT refers to the number of cycles 
the PCR test is run at, and each cycle doubles the magnification of the viral RNA fragment that the test supposedly looked for. That means a switch from 40 to 28 reduces the magnification, that is the sensitivity of the test, by more than 4,000 times. The end result is far fewer positive test results. However, this only applies to people who are being tested for a breakthrough infection. So, as vaccinated individuals are contracting the illness, they're now less likely to register as positive cases, which makes this shot appear more protective than it actually is. Had a CT of 28 been used all along, we would have had nowhere near the number of cases currently touted and the pandemic would have been declared over sometime in 2020. Conversely, were a CT of 40 or higher used to diagnose breakthrough cases, you can be sure the numbers would be far higher than currently reported. To boost the appearance of efficacy of the shot even further, the CDC will also no longer record mild or asymptomatic infections in vaccinated individuals as COVID cases. The only cases that now count um, as COVID cases are if the vaccinated cases of COVID-19 are those that as a result, that those who result in hospitalizations or death. Meanwhile, if you're unvaccinated and come down with a mild case, or if you test positive with a higher CT and have no symptoms, you still count as a COVID case. As explained by Ofgardian, the CDC has put new policies in place which effectively created a tiered system of diagnosis. Meaning, from now on, unvaccinated people will find it much easier to be diagnosed with COVID-19 than the people who get the shot. By keeping the old rules for uh, unvaccinated people, which result in a large number of false positives and an overcount of cases, and applying the new rules for vaccinated individuals that result in significant number of false negatives and undercount of cases, you end up with statistics that conform to the propaganda of the mainstream media, which falsely suggests that COVID-19 is far more prevalent among unvaccinated people and that the vaccine works far better than it actually does. When asked why the CDC would not include asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic cases if they've been vaccinated, the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky said, it's because vaccinated asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic people carry very little virus. Convenient, isn't it? 
This reply was never given when they were counting asymptomatic, falsely positive COVID tests as cases, equating them instead to deaths to increase fear in order to drive people to get the shot. In order to be infectious, you need to have a sufficiently high viral load and the viruses must be live in order to replicate. The significant problem with the PCR test is that it cannot differentiate between dead or inactive viral debris and live virus. The reason a healthy person can test positive for COVID-19 is because the test, when used at a high CT, will magnify non-infectious or harmless segments of DNA that are not related to infectious viral particles. So again, the CDC is now admitting asymptomatic people pose no real threat of risk, but they only apply this logic to those who have been uh, vaccinated with the RNA shot. While continuing the lying charade for the unvaccinated. Clearly, self-quarantining and lockdowns are irrational if nearly 60% of so-called COVID cases are non-infectious. The PCR test can also detect dead viral RNA for months after an active infection, making the test even more unreliable. Signs that other countries are starting to manipulate data to hide the um, uh, mRNA failure are also evident. For example, in the UK, they've now dropped the rule that anyone having tested positive for cars, SARS, so um, COVID-2 within 28 days of dying is to be counted as a COVID death. Now that vaccines are out, well, not really vaccines, but now that the shot is out, COVID-19 will only be listed as the cause of death if the patient actually dies from an active case of COVID-19 and nothing else. When you look at how case rates and death statistics have been collected and reported and how those parameters have changed along the way, you realize that the pandemic was a mirage created through the manipulation of data. More than a year and a half has been stolen from us in an undeclared war against the public. Even with mounting awareness of the facts, the deep state players responsible for this cruel hoax are not likely to be calling it quits. They have a long-term goal, and that is the complete takeover and control of the global wealth and population. So as we move forward, we can expect more cover-ups, more obfuscation, and more attempts to whitewash the truth and protect the guilty 
parties. My uh, source for this information is Dr. Joseph Mercola and Off Guardian. And that's how ridiculous a situation we have gotten into. I, I extremely, I extremely uh, feel that you need to follow this podcast as we bring you every week uh, additional information of truth just below the surface. And uh, one of the ways that you can get that is go to www.freedomfromaddiction.libson.com. It's a free podcast. The um, spelling of Libson is L-I-B as in boy, S-Y-N. Use no capitals, no spaces. And uh, Neil, thanks for simulcasting. Absolutely. Information. All right, guys, that was Freedom from Addiction, Truth Out Low Service, and the Neil Haley Show. Take care. Please listen to the Forletta podcast. Larry Forletta, a retired DEA agent turned private investigator, will bring you true life stories on the war on drugs with some of the most infamous international drug traffickers of all time, to name a few Pablo Escobar. Manuel Noriega, Joaquin Guzman, a.k.a. El Chapo, and other related real-life crime stories such as Waco. For more information, please visit his website at www.fcisllc.com. We're back to Neil Haley show here on the author's corner segment. And I'm excited to welcome the program author, Gordon Javna author of uncle John's bathroom reading greatest known on earth curiosities, rarities, and amazing oddities. How are you, Gordon? Thanks for stopping by. I'm doing great. Thank you. All Thanks right. for having me. Absolutely. You know, and I love the, when I look at the cover, because I remember this coming in the mail and I just think of the greatest showman. When I think about this, the greatest yeah. no on earth. And I know that that was a, in a pun in certain ways, but it's so important yeah. to look at the, you are that kind of spin spinster, aren't you in the, in this, in this area, yeah. right? Like the greatest yeah, showman. You know, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not, uh, I mean, the, the book doesn't have a circus theme, but I really do think of myself as the ringmaster. <laughs> You know, I, I, I love to uh, bring out these great stories uh, to entertain people. We're sort of, you know, I have a staff of writers that uh, I've been working with for decades, really. And um, and we just love to collect these oddball stories. And uh, the, the, the next best thing to collect them is sharing them with other people. So. And yes, but you think about this, Gordon, you think about you are the kind of not, you know, ring Ringland Barnum Bailey kind of person, you know, but you really, the way you spin stories and the way you look at mm-hmm. things, it just, it's like you're on, on stage. You are the ringmaster of, of stories in that way. And that's yes. how, and knowledge of interesting, yeah. odd knowledge, right? Uh, yeah, um, and you know the odder the better. We're we're not like um, you know, we're not we don't just look at things as for weirdness. 
We also look at them for unveiling uh, stories that you may have thought ended this way, but they ended that way, or even things that you didn't know uh, about. You know, somebody asked me recently, um, uh, where do you get all this stuff from? It's 400 pages of, of interesting information. I think it's all interesting. Um, and where do we get it from? Well, uh, there's there's no shortage in the world. Every day is new history. And, and even uh, stories that you think you know, you know, a few years from now, you're going to forget them. And we like to bring those back too. you know, things that, that were in the news, but they're long out of the news. And, uh, you know, and given all that, there's really no shortage of fascinating things to, to share with people. That's a true for sure. All right. So mm-hmm. let's talk about a few of them without giving away the book, meaning so people can yeah. pick up the book, some of the things you picked up from writing it. Well, um, you know, one of my favorite stories in this book, and in fact, this is our 33rd annual edition of Uncle John's Bathroom, and, and they're all different. Uh, and one of the stories in this book is one of my favorites of, of I've ever done. And that is the story of a food scientist named William Mitchell, who worked for General Foods in the 1950s. And uh, in 1953, he was ta- oh, the, the the company General Foods purchased another brand, the Kool Aid brand, and they wanted Mitchell to develop a carbonated version of Kool Aid. In other words, something that they could it could be an instant mix, and you get soda uh, because they wanted to compete with the gigantic sales of uh, Coke and Pepsi. So he had a couple of ideas, and they were legitimate, and and they worked. Uh, the first idea was carbonated ice. He was going to he came up with a process to have carbon dioxide uh, embedded in ice. Um, the only thing is that it had to be kept at 14 degrees. And his idea was that they would sell the ice with a packet of of Kool Aid, and you mix it and dump the ice in, and you go voila, you have soda. But um, it had to be kept at 14 degrees, and that shouldn't be a problem, except that in most grocery stores at the, in those days, to save money, uh, the grocers turned the temperature of the uh, freezer compartment up to about 30 degrees, which is just below freezing. That's fine for most fr- frozen food, but not for carbonated ice. And uh, what happened was that all the carbon dioxide dissipated, so that didn't work. And the second idea was to add, to make the sugar carbonated. In those days, Kool-Aid uh, was unsweetened. So you you poured in a glass and then you poured sugar in. Well, he had this idea, let's carbonate the sugar. And then you can also make uh, the uh, flavoring and the coloring part of that that concoction. And he ended up with a lump of stuff that was... Uh, car- carbonated sugar and and flavoring and coloring. You drop the lump into a glass of water and you had soda, but it didn't have as much fizziness as as a uh, a soda, so uh, that didn't work. But it did have fizziness when you popped it into your mouth. Uh, and he thought that was remarkable and thought it would make a great candy, but General Foods wasn't in the candy business and didn't want to do anything with that. It, 
oh, Mitchell yeah. kept the little pieces of it in his office so that he could give it to uh, visitors and impress them, and they were impressed. And 20 years after he developed it, one of his visitors was the head of the snack foods division in Canada. And uh, he loved it. He thought it would make a great candy. Uh, the the uh, Mitchell called it atomic candy, but this, this fellow didn't think atomic candy was a, a very good idea. He came up with another name. And can you guess what the name was? What was the name? Pop Rocks. Oh, he thought wow. he thought that yeah he, he so they came out with his pop rocks but this this uh, fellow didn't want to uh, market it as candy he wanted it to be like a uh, a freebie you bought a, a snack food you know you bought some pretzels or or potato chips and you got a little packet of pop rocks uh, only thing is that kids liked the pop rocks more than the uh, <laughs> than the than the snack foods. And so they even had instances of, of kids chasing uh, snack food trucks, which is like, you know, who who does that? They chase. Yeah, exactly. But not, but that's yeah, snack food. Truck. So they thought they had a winner on their hands. And in fact, it did get a lot of uh, publicity and did have a lot of sales. The only thing is, in fact, uh, General Foods thought it was going to uh, be a, um, a line like all their other lines. They had planned. Uh, a, a powdered version, you know, like dust that you you put in your mouth, and they had candy that was uh, carbonated chocolate and carbonated chewing gum. These were all planned, and then it turned out that um, it was really just a novelty. And after buying a dozen or half a dozen uh, packets of Pop Rocks, kids lost the interest and uh, ended up to be a um, a loser for General Foods, and they actually sold the product to another company, and it is still being manufactured under the Pop Rocks name. So the Pop Rocks name uh, lasted, but uh, General Foods' name did not last, actually. It's kind of interesting. It's now part of Kraft Foods and uh, uh, no longer exists as a separate company or even as a name. Mitchell went on to develop many other products for General Foods, and those included uh, Tang, my gosh. I don't know if you remember yes, that. I remember. Instant breakfast drink. Well known for the fact that it was included on NASA missions. Uh, and astronauts drank it, and it, uh, we all thought, oh, it must be good for yes, you. Yes, exactly. That the, reason, yeah, the reason they included it was because water in pouches that they had to take into space to hydrate, um, the water changed taste when it left the atmosphere. And it, they didn't like the way it tasted. So, in order to make it more palatable, they figured, well, we'll add this tang to it. And uh, um, so it was a matter of necessity, not not uh, choice. But nevertheless, it was a very successful product. And Cool Whip was another one of Mitchell's products. He also invented a powdered alcohol, uh, which, you know, powdered vodka, right, which actually right. worked. But but uh, they never they never produced that. And his uh, last product that he made, not for General Foods, but... Um, the last product he developed with his daughter was rice milk. And uh, he, he passed away, but his daughter continued with the process, and she is responsible for developing not just rice milk, but oat milk, hemp milk, uh, soy milk, all these products, all from that one uh, idea that he had. And so next time you're in the supermarket, and you see the display of all the different kinds of uh, faux milks, you can think of 
William Mitchell and Pop Rocks. Oh, okay. All right. Um, so uh, this is a great conversation. I appreciate uh, I, one story out of a bunch of stories. So they got to pick up the book today, right? And where's the best place? Right. I mean, that's one out of like 250. No, I have the book, the so book. I'm going to read them. And I'm, those will be great. Yeah. They'll be great shares uh, for different things, yeah. for sure. So, and uh, use some of them as uh, finding the research, and they'd be a great social media post to tell you the truth. So, I don't know if you're doing that, mm-hmm. but that would be really a great way to repurpose some of your content and give you credit. So, uh, where can we ch- uh, check you. you out and stuff? Where can you purchase your book? Uh, well, you can get the book uh, any bookstore uh, if they're if they're open. Uh, and uh, certainly you can get it from Amazon. You can get everything from Amazon. And um, uh, you can uh, find more out, find out more about us at bathroomreader.com. Yes, um, that, for sure. I appreciate you stopping by, and thanks again. Hey, thank you, Neil. You're nice welcome. To talk to you. Okay, all right, bye-bye. You're listening bye. to The Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and Freedom from Addiction, Truth Just Below the Surface. I'm excited to welcome I'm Reverend Wynn Henderson, MD. Wynn, how are you? Neil, I'm doing good this morning. How are you? Hey, doing fantastic. Uh, we're into the summer, and we're just keep rolling. So I'm excited about our topic today. Well, the topic today is face masking in children. Now, it became clear early on that children and teens were at very low risk from COVID-19 with about 99.99 survival rate. Masking, social distancing, and virtual schooling persisted nonetheless, even as experts sounded the alarm about their probable implications including physical, psychological, and behavioral adverse effects. Speaking at the Advanced Medicine Conference May 30th, 2021, Leela Sintner, Chief Executive Officer and co-founder of Sintner Academy in Miami, Florida, detailed many of the risks posed to children by COVID-19. School guidelines, along with the inconsistencies and lack of research behind their use. A number of states have now banned mask mandates in schools, often as a result of the public outcry. At the University of Witten Herdecke in Germany, an online registry was set up where parents, doctors, pedagogues and others could enter their observations about mask wearing in children. Using data from 25,930 children with an average mask wearing time of 270 minutes per day, 24 health issues were reported. A majority of parents reported impairments in their children due to wearing a mask. They recorded symptoms that included irritability, headache, difficulty concentrating, less happiness, reluctance to go to school or kindergarten, 
malaise, impaired learning, and drowsiness or fatigue. They also found a 29% feeling short of breath and 26% being dizzy and 17% were unwilling to move or play. Hundreds more experienced accelerated respiration, tightness in the chest, weakness, and short-term impairment of consciousness. Sentner's presentation featured Dr. Jim Meehan, a medical ophthalmologist and preventative medicine specialist who has performed more than 10,000 surgical procedures and is also a former editor of the medical journal, Ocular Immunology and Inflammation. He has conducted an evidence-based scientific analysis on masks, which showed that not only should healthy people not be wearing a mask, but they could be harmed as a result. Mihan warned universal mask wearing in children is experimental and the safety has not been proven. Father, he says the official change in the guidelines from first telling people to avoid mask wearing to later mandating it in many places was not the result of new science, but rather was the result of lobbying. In his practice, Mihan said he's seen horrendous harm as a result, with dozens of children facing health problems, including anxiety, panic attacks, struggling to breathe, facial rashes, infections, dental problems, oral ulcers, cavities, and throat abscesses. Sentner also featured Dr. Lawrence Pileski, a New York pediatrician, who warned that masks could be harming children's brain development by promoting fear, stress, panic, and anxiety. It keeps children in the fight or flight response driven by the brain. This influences the capacity of development and higher functions of the brain. Children's mental health is suffering. Rates of suicide in youth increased during the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020 compared to 2019. Significantly higher rates of suicide-related behaviors, including suicide ideation or thinking about it and suicide attempts corresponded to times of increased COVID-19 related concerns, according to research published in the Journal of Pediatrics. Social isolation imposed during the pandemic has been cited as the reason for pushing some children with mental health issues over the edge. Dr. Peter Bregan, a Harvard-trained psychiatrist, was also featured in Sentner's presentation. A former consultant at the National Institute of Mental Health, Bregan has called COVID-19 restrictions placed on children a crime against humanity and an experiment in social engineering at creating docile pawns in a global 
predatory system. Bregan said, I was a kid in World War II, and I never saw anything like this even back then. Americans have never been docile like this, even in wartime. And the more you can mask a child, the less they can connect. And the less they can connect, the more docile they become. Similarly, the move that you teach children to do absurd, humiliating things, the more they give in to anything you demand. Ultimately, the more freedom you take away from them as children, the more you can take away from them as adults. Some other facts about masks include the facts that medical masks adversely affect respiratory physiology and function in that they lower oxygen levels in the blood and raise carbon dioxide levels. Medical masks trap exhaled virus in mask and increasing viral infectious loads and increasing disease severity. Uh, SARS-CoV-2 becomes more dangerous when blood oxygen levels decline. Cloth masks may increase the risk of contracting COVID-19 and other respiratory infections. Wearing a face mask may give a false sense of security. Masks compromise communication and reduce social distancing. Untrained and inappropriate management of facial masks is common. Masks worn imperfectly can be dangerous. Masks collect and colonize viruses, bacteria, and mold. Wearing a face mask makes exhaled air go into the eyes. Contact tracing studies show that asymptomatic carrier transmission is very rare. Face mask and stay-at-home orders prevent the development of herd immunity. And face masks are dangerous and contraindicated for a large number of people with pre-existing medical conditions and disabilities. Please tell your friends, family, and neighbors about my podcast, which they can obtain free at www.freedomfromaddiction.libson.com. And, and Neil, tell them about our Facebook group. Oh, yes. Also, you can join the Truth Below the Surface Facebook group by just going to Facebook, searching Truth Just Below the Surface, and they can join. Great. Well, this is important information. You should share it with as many people as you can. All right. That was Freedom from Addiction, Truth, Just Below the Surface, and Neil Hayes Show. Take care, guys.